This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. You know, products that may have been slowly dying, because as the industry went more innovative... Those products are back. There's, there's a there's an imbalance in the industry of what people want and what's available at the chains. We've got a special bonus episode for you today. Ross Ackerman is back, and he's got some pretty good advice. We need to be thinking about, you know, what is the equivalent of toilet paper in our industry, which is going to be packaging material. Do not run out of cans. Do not run out of bottles. Do not run out of cardboard. I've seen some reports that folks are drinking more under these stay-at-home orders and other surveys that suggest the opposite. Here in Virginia, business is booming in the state-run liquor stores. What can you tell us about total beer sales? Up, down, flat? What's going on? Well, every week's different, right? Um, I think the last time we talked, it was the first week after this new world we lived in. Yeah, and you said that looked like a holiday. It looked like a holiday, and it did for about two weeks as people loaded the pantry. Um, the past week was a little bit of a bloodbath, um, so there was kind of a hangover after uh, the load-in. So I think the jury's still out on where all this is going. Um, there's definitely some winners and losers in terms of package formats, um, and I think if you average out the last four weeks, it's, it's been a little bit above average. How are distributors changing their businesses to react to this new normal? Are they intentionally holding less or more inventory? Have they reprioritized certain package sizes? I mean, I think every distributor is different, right? And it goes back to the different cultures of the different businesses. There, as I look across both my clients uh, from a distributor perspective, and as I look across my clients from a brewery perspective, and I see that there's some distributors that may be more financially minded that are trying to draw down inventory to conserve cash, right? Um, you know, if they've got credit lines, they're pulling them down, just like any other business in anticipation of what might be happening. Um, 
but for the most part, I think everybody's, you know, fighting fires, whether that be, hey, on-premise is gone, what do I do with these people? Um, do I redeploy them as merchandisers? Do I help them help with the, the increase off-premise? You know, how do I keep my people safe and healthy? Um, you know, how do I deal with people that are getting sick and, you know, them being at home now and us still having to deliver beer? So I think that there's a mixed bag, right? So I think that a good number of wholesalers probably are trying to be conservative and conserve cash. Others are scrambling to deal with other things and not paying as close attention to the changes that are happening. So there, you know, again, um, you know, when we talked four weeks ago, my, my warning was that wholesalers you know, have their own businesses to run and that's kind of played out. So I'm seeing the emergency orders when people and distributors run out of 212 or, you know, a high end six pack or um, high end for 616, you know, basically panic ordering uh, when they run out. But um, and then that has a lot to do with all the other things they have to deal with. I was wondering if consumers could now expect to be drinking fresher beer, um, more inventory flowing through fewer retailers, or is that not quite how this works? Well, I think it depends on the actions that the breweries have taken, right? Um, you recall that on the last time I had you had me on, you know, my advice was keep the beer in the tanks and hold it and see what happens, right? Right. And, you know, as long as you didn't commit to packages that are slowing or formats that are slowing, there may be some truth to that, right? Um, I think it's going to be a mixed bag of what breweries have done in response to what happened. But yeah, I mean, I, I suspect that if there's a 212 on the shelf or a, you know, a high-end 4616, it's probably pretty fresh. You work with a lot of different breweries. I'm not asking you to name any names here, but in the data that you have access to, out of the breweries that are weathering this storm the best, what are they doing? Well, the breweries that have done the best, I mean, it's, 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 it's luck of the draw, right? It's, it's how you had your business going into the crisis. Um, if you were at least 50% off-premise or higher, you know, you're, you're either even or potentially up. And I think it also has a lot to do with the formats that you provide. I mean, do you have two twelves? Do you have a variety pack? I mean, variety pack was, a, you know, a margin killer up until the crisis. Now, you know, having a variety pack well-placed in chains is, is a godsend. And people can't get enough of them right now. You know, I think people are migrating to 12 packs of beers that they know. Because if they have to go to the grocery store once every two weeks, they're going to buy something they know and they love. And they know that, you know, they're not going to roll the dice necessarily on an experimental um, IPA they've never tried before. But the other side of it is, you know, your, your on-premise drinker that was drinking your hazies and your high-end double IPAs, they're looking for that off-premise now. So that category is blowing up. Um, so I think it depends on what you had in market. The problem now is most of these chains aren't accepting new placements, right? They're just trying to keep their world, you know, even. They've got people getting sick. They're trying to keep their people healthy. Um, they're trying to deal with, you know, 20, 30, 40% increase in sales. They're not putting a new product on the shelf. So, so much of this is just luck of the draw going into it. So there are winners and losers. There are definitely people that are, there are people that are suffering and there are people that are doing better than they were doing before. All right. So you've now got several weeks of data since we last talked. Um, you know, let's hear your analysis. What, what's, what are the biggest changes? What packages are moving the fastest now? Um, obviously, we know draft is still dead, but, you know, what's, what's really changed over that period? I mean, I think, and again, if, if 
if you've been reading Beer Business Daily or um, you know keeping up on you know, those reports coming out, it's being spelled out in my data too, which is two twelves variety packs, and you know I'm, I'm going to air quote here, but high end, you know whether that be double IPAs, you know maybe hazies, things that are in four six sixteen, uh, things that are perceived to be higher pr- uh, premium, right? Um, Consumers are definitely reaching for that. So it's kind of a barbell. You know, they're going to 212s, products they know and love, you know, products that may have been slowly dying because the, as the industry went more innovative, those products are back. Because, I mean, obviously, if I'm going to only go to the grocery store once every two weeks and I got to commit to 212 packs, better be something I'm comfortable drinking. Um, and then the other side of it, too, is people are splurging a little bit for the beers that they want to drink. Or we're drinking at the bar, whether that be, you know, a hazy or a double or a sour, maybe a barrel aged beer. Those those products are doing well. Um, you know, for me, as I look at it and I look across my clients, the challenge is nobody saw this coming, and there's there's a there's an imbalance in the industry of, you know, what people want and what's available at the chains, and I think there's certainly an opportunity or a need to get some of those beers that were being consumed on premise into the consumer's hands. Coming up. We need to be thinking about, you know, what is the equivalent of toilet paper in our industry, which is going to be packaging material. Do not run out of cans. Do not run out of bottles. Do not run out of cardboard. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by... ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Brewer Supply Group is now the proud exclusive distributor of Dingaman's Malt. BSG is thrilled to partner with the Dingaman's family and to distribute their superior quality malts to brewers, distillers, and homebrewers in the U.S. and Canada. Dingaman's Malt combines modern techniques with their long-standing focus on quality and service to their customers and remains 100% independent and family-owned. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. And thank you also to... Fermentus is the obvious choice for beverage fermentation. From large and small breweries to homebrewers, we've provided the beer industry with the best fermentation yeast since 2003. The yeasts are easy to use. Just pitch Fermentus yeast directly into your wort. No rehydration necessary. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. The Master Brewer's calendar is a hot mess, as you might imagine, due to COVID-19. Almost everything in April and May has been postponed or canceled, including the Brewery Packaging Technology course. Definitely check the calendar events at MBAA.com for the latest updates. Here are some events that remain on the calendar as of April 3rd. The District Texas Spring Meeting has been rescheduled. The new date for that is May 29th in Fort Worth. 
District Midwest meets at BrewDog June 27th. District Northern California has moved their meeting at Drake's Brewing to July 23rd. The best brewing conference worldwide only happens every four years and it's happening this August. WBC 2020 will be held August 1st through the 4th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find all the details at worldbrewingcongress.org or just follow the link in the show notes. The District Texas Annual Summer Meeting in Kerrville is August 7th through the 9th. The Master Brewers Brewery Systems Technology and Maintenance course begins September 13th in Madison. The District Northwest Fall Meeting is scheduled for October 9th and 10th. The Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course is October 25th through November 6th in Madison. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. I think we've got enough data now. I think if you've got four weeks of data, use that for forecasting. You know, like I said before, uh, last time we talked, which was throw out what you had before. Well, now we've got four weeks. Use what you got. Keep the sensitivity cranked, right? We saw last week's sales fell off a cliff. Two weeks before, it was looking like it was 4th of July. So who knows what next week will be? Maybe it'll be a normal week. Maybe it'll be down. Maybe it'll be up. But you got to keep your sensitivity of your forecast cranked up and respond to it as it happens. And stay, stay loose and stay, keep options, right? Don't package until you have to. Keep the beer in the tank as long as you can until you got to commit. My guess is it's going to be like, just like the stock market where you have, um, you have a, a, a big up week and then a big down week because I think people are on that cycle where, you know, they loaded up when you saw the holiday, right? And then it took them a, a, a little while to deplete that in their own homes. And then they load up again and then they hold out and then load up again. So that's my, that's where my money's at. But that's just me talking. Yeah, because underneath all that is the new normal trend. And we don't know what it is yet. Right. Um, it could be slightly more consumption. It could be slightly less. You know, it's, it's weird. I see some reports where, you know, surveys come out and people say, you know, these surveys People say, I'm drinking less. I see another survey that comes out that says, I'm drinking more. So the data hasn't told us really yet what's the reality. And surveys are contradicting each other. So again, I think staying, keeping as much optionality and staying as flexible as possible and reacting as quickly as you can to what you're seeing in terms of the data is, is going to be key. And then again, like I said, last time I was on, you got to stay on top of your wholesalers. They are so wrapped up in their own stuff that you've got to be your own advocate. I'm wondering if you've heard anything about what large brewers and or distributors plan to do with all of that draft beer that's sort of stuck in the supply chain. I mean, that's a mixed bag too, right? I mean, I'm seeing people try to sell kegs off their docks at discounted prices. You know, I'm seeing people buy them back from distributors. I mean, I think that your small guy that's lost 50 to 80% of their business because they were mostly on premise. I can't imagine they have the ability to buy the kegs back. Um, I think everybody's doing, I don't think there's one action that anybody is taking. I think everybody's trying to figure it out, but it's going to come to a head in the next couple of weeks as this, this beer starts to go bad. So, you know, whatever proactive action that the brewery or the distributor can take, they should be taking it now. I don't suppose you don't have any data on um, direct-to-consumer sales out of taproom breweries, do you? I do. 
What uh, talk about that? I mean, obviously these breweries are trying to, you know, implement delivery or curbside pickup and all that. Um, what can you tell any any anything you can glean from what's going on and that data, sort of before and after? I think breweries that are staying ahead of the curve are using social media. They're using whatever other online tools or marketing tools to drive that traffic. And looking, you're not going to make up your business that you had at your brew pub to go food and to go beer. But I have been surprised by my clients that have been very proactive and literally how much beer they're selling. You know, some of these clients I'm seeing, you know, maybe 50%. That's not bad considering how much overhead you use, you were able to reduce too. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I've been surprised by it. I've been surprised by, you know, how these communities that have a local brewery, how they're rallying around those businesses. You just got to make sure you let those consumers know that you're there, what you have available, you know, and, um, you know, make it a compelling story, make it a compelling price point, whatever you have to do. Um, but your, your local consumer base is going to come out to your pubs if, you're, if you stay ahead of it. At least that's what I've seen. Um, not all my clients have been proactive. But the ones that have have seen good results. I'm sure you've seen the stark numbers coming out of the media. Craft breweries reporting a 70 to 80 percent decline in revenue, depending on what you're reading. A recent uh, BA survey indicated a huge percentage of craft breweries will be closing for good in a few weeks, maybe a few months without additional intervention. The existing federal relief, which is nearly impossible to get access to quickly, is not going to be enough to save these businesses. If half of the craft breweries go out of business before July 4th, how does that change the, the landscape? Well, I mean, that's, that's the depressing part of this, right? Um, this, is, this has been disproportionately terrible to small business. And it's not just our industry, right? I mean, I, I really hope we don't wake up in a couple months in a world where you know, five or six giant companies rule each industry. You know, I, I can't change what is, um, but I think that, you know, there is some hope here. And as, as I look towards, for example, the wine industry, you know, a good percentage of, you know, what is considered more esoteric, more high-end wine has gone through clubs and, you know, their tasting rooms. That's kind of been the way the wine industry was. I think there's an opportunity for us as a beer industry to pivot more towards that model. Now, is it going to make up everything we lost? I don't think so. But there is a path forward, I think. It sounds horrible, and it is, but from a volume standpoint, if half of craft shuts its doors, that's really probably only about a couple million barrels lost. Yeah, it is. But for me, the, the, it's, it's variety, it's innovation, it's you know what our industry's been for the last 15 years. Right. Um, if I like barrel aged sours, I can go to my bottle shop and see, you know, 20, 30 options to choose between. I mean, I don't want to wake up in a world where I have one option. It's a little late in the game, but at least over the last two weeks, what I've been advising my clients around specifically is we know what we know, right? So we know that 212 is flying, we know that the high end packages are going we know that you know the the core four sixes are at least stable if not up a little bit so taking that to its logical next step 
we need to be thinking about, you know, what is the equivalent of toilet paper in our industry, which is going to be packaging material. Um, and I know the knee-jerk reaction is conserve cash, you know, draw down inventory. But in this particular instance, I think it makes sense to try to get as far ahead of that as possible. Do not run out of cans. Do not run out of bottles. Do not run out of cardboard. And if, you're, and if you're up 20, 30, 50% on packages, so is everybody else. And we're not the only other industry that has on, off-premise presence that uses these materials. So get what you can while you can. Because look at those companies' supply chains. Were they ready for a 30, 40% increase? And worse, do they have global supply chains? And are half of their employees sick? Exactly. So don't be in a position where, you know, your saving grace is that your off-premise business is up 20, 30, 40% and it's making you whole to then just be out of stock, have holes on the shelf and get kicked out of the set. There's nothing worse that could possibly happen to you right now other than, you know, what's already happened, but it can be worse. What about um, anything interesting going on with sort of the single serve stuff? You know, like um, I, I, I kind of mentioned this last time, but, you know, I got to feel like you know, if you're going to support a local, your favorite local takeout or whatever, and you're going to get, you know, get beer from them as well, aren't you more likely to get, you know, a couple of large cans or something that you want to try rather than, um, you know, you're, you're going to get your, your bulk beer from grocery store or Costco or whatever, but isn't, isn't, is that the new opportunity to like try something new? I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for, you know, the guys that stick around. Um, I think that there is a huge need to make sure that you make it easy for your consumers to find you and order what they want. You know, I think, you know, it's hard, right? Because you may have a lot of different high end offerings and, you know, somebody picking up the phone, having to walk in the cooler, try to read off what they've got. And maybe they understand the, what the style is and can describe it or not. I, I think there's a strong need to move to, you know, obviously our product is all about. You know, the distributors ordering from the breweries and forecasting around that and supply chain around that. But I, I you know, I, I'm looking at it too. I mean, I've had clients reach out to me and say, Hey, can we turn this on so consumers can use something similar? Right. Cause I've got a huge need to deal with direct consumer. Now the laws have loosened up and, you know, I got to get my beer to my consumers. Um, Cause the on-premise is gone. Yeah, so I think we're seeing I think, here, here in Virginia, we're seeing you, you, they can now deliver mixed beverages, right? So that's that's starting to compete with with beer as well. Just the novelty of that. I mean, my neighbors are just like, wow, I can order, you know, margaritas or whatever it is, and have that delivered with my takeout. That's just it's a it's a novelty right now. I, I, me personally, I think it's going to be a long term trend. And you asked what I thought the long term impact of what happened here was going to be. I think that's going to be an important market. For especially for local breweries, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're delivering a case every two weeks to somebody, you know, and they're putting their together, their order online. You've got a, you know, you've got a memory of what they've ordered. You can make recommendations. I think, in, you know, I know nobody wants to invest in anything right now, but I think long term having the ability to make that experience online to order beer, to have it delivered is going to be important. The economics is, you know, shipping beer across the country and beer clubs is, is going to be, is, is, is difficult unless you're dealing with specifically just high end. And I think there's a market for that, but I think your local town, your local, you know, city, you know, leveraging that delivery, 
having a sprinter van running around and some good technology to back it. I don't think that genie's getting back in the bottle. I think, I think that's an opportunity. I have a friend down in the Blacksburg-Christiansburg area working for Wing Aviation, which is one of the Google Alphabet companies. They're doing drone delivery near Virginia Tech, as well as in Australia and Finland. They've partnered with Walgreens and some other companies. Anyway, when I first heard about this at the end of last year, I asked a compliance firm to float the concept of beer delivery by drone to Virginia ABC. And I knew they would just shoot it down immediately because the state of Virginia has done nothing but say no and get in my way ever since I opened my first brewery in 2002. But knowing how they would react, I said, listen, here's all the reasons why this would actually be better and safer than in-person delivery. For example, you're never going to over-serve somebody. You can't drop a keg off with a drone. But they, of course, just laughed it off. And I'm so tempted to follow up and say, hey, it sounds like a pretty good idea now, doesn't it? Can you imagine that? Log into your smartphone and have a couple of 16-ounce cans delivered by drone? Yeah, I think you're absolutely thinking about it, right? Um, and, and technology can solve some of this, right? Because you've got a camera on the drone. That's how the thing navigates. There's no reason you can't hold your ID up to it and it doesn't drop the, you know, drop the beer until um, you know, it reads the ID. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not exactly novel technology. I mean, Google's right. got that. Right. And I, and I think the, the, the argument has to be, listen, do you want to have small business still here when this is over? Right. Because I don't think anybody wants it to be you know, three or four companies that control 100% of the market. Nobody wants that. You know, it's bad for your local economy. And it's bad for the consumer. So how do we protect the, the, the incredible um, innovation and variety that we've all enjoyed over the last 10 years? That was Ross Ackerman here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Also a personal record for me with recording, editing, and publishing all in under six hours. Don't worry, we've still got a new episode for you on Monday. Three different brewers giving their perspective on what it's like to pivot to making hand sanitizer in the brewery. In the meantime, be safe, stay healthy, and hang in there. Have you figured out which brewing conferences you'll be attending this year? There's one that should be your top priority. Like the Olympics, it only happens every four years, and it attracts the best minds in brewing from across the globe. The World Brewing Congress is hosted by ASBC and Master Brewers in collaboration with the Brewery Convention of Japan, the European Brewery Convention, and the UK's Institute of Brewing and Distilling. It's hands down my favorite brewing conference and is packed with the best technical presentations, posters, and networking you will ever experience. If you're serious about your career in brewing, you should be there. WBC 2020 will be held August 1st through the 4th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find all the details at worldbrewingcongress.org or just follow the link in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Fermentis. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.